Hello and welcome to episode 115 of the NFL Scotland podcast. A fascinating week one for a number of reasons. We've just about recovered enough from a brilliant weekend. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. We'll be looking back at all the headlines, discuss the developing storylines, and of course, the return of the NFL means the return of our weekly awards. We'll be sharing your nominations for the Belter, Boutfin and Bob Ag winners. And there's plenty of names up for contention against all three. Paul, what was your big takeaway from week one then? Uh, Tom Brady's not really much of an upgrade on James Winston, is he? <laughs> so I'm going to get this one in nice and early. Our resident Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers fan. And you know, it doesn't say everything that we've got a resident Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. It's just the one. He does a good job. He's representing. Um, but Polly, who we talked about a number of times, obviously, was at the week one event that we did uh, now for well, the 2018 season when the, the Bucks beat the Saints under Jameis Winston. You know, Winston went in there and won. Tom Brady couldn't. He got in touch right away and pointed out that Tom Brady's currently on track to throw 32 interceptions this season. So, you know, uh, they'll be looking for Jameis back anytime soon, I'm sure. Trade-off will be coming in the general Saints direction. They can have him. I will drive him down to Tampa personally. <laughs> if, if we're going to start there, let's just say that in the third quarter, it was far from relaxed in the Mitchell household. Um, I didn't like the play calling by Sean Payton. And interestingly, he came out and said his play calling was poor. Uh, some of the run plays looked awful. If you are going to do the gadget plays with Taysom Hill, you've got to use it at the right time and don't be too obvious about it. But in the end, um, I thought that the Saints really took care of the Bucks pretty well. Cam Jordan, uh, fantastic. He was asked what it was like playing in an empty stadium. He said it was like playing in Tampa, which I just thought was one of the best lines of the weekend. But I will say, I think the Tampa Bay Bucks will get better. Uh, I think once Brady looks a little bit more comfortable and they look pretty solid. A couple of really bad defensive plays, uh, jumping offside and things like that. So I think once they sort that out, they are going to be a real threat. But it's always a highlight, uh, as you'll know, Cameron, when your team wins on the opening weekend. <laughs> Shut up. Um, <laughs> uh, do you know what? I, we've talked about this plenty. It's going to take time for Brady to get into that scheme. Uh, it's a very different setup to what he had in New England. This is exactly a game I thought they would lose, and they did. I think, though, the manner in, uh, the manner in which certain plays played out surprised me. I think that what stood out is that he's just not going to get the time that he's used to, um, uh, that he got in New England. And I think that, you know, Ronald Jones did a decent enough job as he's run back without doing anything spectacular. There was one, though, he was just hurdling boys. And I was like, that's impressive, Ronald. Well done there. Um, Mike Evans was a non-factor. But so was Michael Thomas, though, to be fair. Defensively, this was intensive. Uh, it was hard-hitting. It was fast. Uh, Breeze didn't have a lot of time. Kamara kept getting absolutely smashed, but Kamara just was able to find his groove again. And great to see him back, hopefully, to some form. Uh, very unlucky not to get that third touchdown. I think it was the right call, margin of error, um, but I think just the right call to, to make there, uh, as much as it screwed me over in a fantasy game, but never mind, we'll, we'll not worry about that. For the Bucks, there's plenty of green shoots there, and I'm sure that that's a tough one to take when there's been so much hype over the summer. You come in against a divisional rival who you're thinking that you're going to you know, finally knock them off their pedestal, and you fail to do so. Um, and, you know, the, the score... The score wasn't close, but like you say, there was bits where it, it felt like it could be tighter than it was. It wasn't like it was junk time points for the Bucks or anything like that. The, the Saints were just the better team. Um, Janoris Jenkins, though, what a brilliant uh, pick six for him. Uh, really impressive. I thought the Saints' defense looked really good, actually. They looked pumped up and fired up. But again, that comes from coming in against the team that's had all the hype against them. You've got a point to prove. Ah, the new boys think they're going to come here and knock us off our pedestal. Are they hell? Pal, take that right in the face. And that's exactly what happened. It, it, I genuinely was quite impressed at how physical it was on, on both defences. Yeah, I love the physicality. Some of the play in some of the games that you'll have noticed, I thought, lacked a little bit of something, but there was nothing lacking between those two. And you just wanted the Superdome to be full for that one because I think the noise 
And I think it would have added to the spectacle of Brady coming under centre in a new team. You know, and I just think it would have been absolutely brilliant. Breeze, I thought, played pretty well. Uh, Taysom Hill uh, was listed as the number two quarterback, obviously got a lot of time. Uh, Jameis held the clipboard outstandingly well, I felt. Uh, but overall, I think there's a, there's a lot to be said for Tampa Bay. And I think it'd be interesting to see over the next couple of weeks how they play, because if they can play with that intensity, and certainly the third quarter, I was seriously worried, then I think they will cause problems for people. So we've talked about your team. Let's then just move on and get my one out of the way. Um, Cardinals win in San Francisco 24-20. Uh, a disappointing day for San Francisco, absolutely. Started pretty well, that great uh, touchdown from Mostert. I think, though, that there was it just was lacklustre. Um, I think that the biggest thing that surprised me over this entire week one was that how unrusty some of the teams looked. But I thought the Niners looked really rusty. I thought that Jimmy G was slow to get the ball out. I thought that there was a lot of wrong choices. There was some bad throws that were behind receivers that gave opportunities. We got away with a couple of things that, um, you know, there was a an interception that was overturned because of pass interference. And I mean, it was a ridiculous piece of pass interference that didn't need to happen. It was the right call, but we absolutely got away with that. We just couldn't convert. And it was, it was overall disappointing. Now, for the Cardinals, DeAndre Hopkins, 14 catches, 151 yards. What a day he had. Kyler Murray, though, as well, is a difficult quarterback to deal with. And we struggled against the Cardinals in the games against them last year, especially the one in Arizona. And Murray is only better than he was last year, I think. So when he's mobile like that, I think we can we really struggle to deal with that type of quarterback. And you'll see the same against the Seahawks with Russell Wilson. The, the defense is set up to hunt down those quarterbacks that stand in the pocket uh, and, and look to throw the ball. And I think that we'll do well against teams that have that type of quarterback. I don't think we'll do well against the teams with the mobile quarterback. I think that's why we suffered in the Super Bowl. Uh, we can keep the level of intensity high for so long, but if that quarterback's constantly on the move and you're changing direction, the defense is just not able to keep up with it. And I think that ultimately not enough opportunities were converted. Uh, disappointing, lackluster, uh, rusty, definitely concerns. There's a, there's you know The lack of wide receiver depth was... you know. Stuck out like a sore thumb. There was nobody to throw it to. Jimmy wasn't throwing well, but there was nobody that could even sort of compensate for that. Um, you know, George Kittle picking up an injury then took out the the main throwing threat. And I know he came back, but, you know, he's been evaluated now. He obviously wasn't 100%. In the backfield, let's take one positive, Jarek McKinnon. Great to see him back. Great to see him scoring a touchdown. That could be really interesting, that backfield with McKinnon, Coleman, and Mostert. I think that's a great backfield committee that has danger in it but we need to get these wide receivers sorted we need to get Debo Samuel back fit and we need to get some threats on the field we go to play the Jets next and you know we'll talk about week two but that's a, a big 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 game and we need to be able to get into our groove quickly for the Cardinals you know we, I talked about this on the podcast and I'd said that uh, you know they could quite conceivably go 5-0 and oh, and I definitely think that that's something they're going to go on and do you look at the fixtures that they've got coming up next one versus Washington now in spite of the amazing weekend that the Washington football team had I still think the Cardinals will you know have more than enough in their repertoire to deal with that uh, and I think Arizona are set up now for a very successful season yeah, I was very impressed. Kyler Murray reminds me of your mate's little brother who's been invited along to play. You know, just to make up the numbers, he just doesn't look like he belongs there. And then all of a sudden he does wonderful things. The, the footwork is really impressive and he's so quick to spot the gaps. It, you know, even when the 49ers got pressure on him, if they left just that little gap, you know, he's off, you know, Speedy Gonzalez and, and off he went. So they're going to be a fun team to watch. Overall, though, I mean, there were some great surprises throughout the league, and I think that was the beauty of it for week one. It was very difficult to to nail on anybody. Now, especially, I mean, if you, I mean, the odds, I think Washington had a 2% success rate at some point up again. I mean, 70-0 down at home to the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles just melted. Yeah. Uh, I can't quite figure that one out, to be perfectly honest. Like, the, the Washington defense stepped up, but 
for the Eagles to have struggled as much as they did, it re- that one really took me by surprise. And I think even the margin <laughs> is actually huge. A 10-point difference. Peyton Barber with two Russian touchdowns. Who had that? Who had Peyton Barber in their fantasy team? Napty. That's who. Um, and, and they somehow come away with a victory. It's it's really funny that the teams that I had sort of penciled down as your uh, tanking for Trevor teams, as we'll now call it for this year, they all <laughs> they all did pretty well. So um, a really funny start, and I think that Washington deserves huge credit for the way that they played. They didn't give up. There was a lot of drive there. Haskins looking really good, um, which you know, so many people written them off. They've had such. Uh, a difficult off-season. There's been so much focus on them for the wrong reasons. Actually, they got on the field, they went and did what they needed to do, and they came away with a great victory. Yeah, Chase Young impressed, didn't he? I thought he looked really, really quick. Uh, Matt Anidis also, you know, 1.5 sacks, four quarterback hurries. Looks like they've got a bit of speed up there, and I think that's going to be very, very useful. So if the Eagles disappointed, I have to say, you got to look at Green Bay. Surprised me. I didn't think they'd be as good as they were. Seattle were something else also. And you, you look at it and you think, well, look at the Browns. You know, I mean, the Ravens, you know, handed it to them on a plate, basically. Just impressive performances by three quarterbacks that we knew would be good. Uh, and they sur- survived all the hype. So which out of Lamar Jackson? Uh, who I thought was very, very good. Uh, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, uh, Aaron Rodgers, which of the three caught your eye the most? It's, do you know, all three were exceptional. I think the, the one there that gets the most credit for me is Aaron Rodgers. I think that Aaron Rodgers played brilliantly. There was so much chat about that they added no wide receiver depth for him. There was so much chat about the, the fact that they went and picked another quarterback in the first round. And I think that there was so much noise around how disgruntled Rodgers would be and what have you. And and a lot of people wrote them off. And I think that we've learned this, or we should have learned this lesson by now, much as you can't write off the Patriots, you can't write off the, the Packers either. Not when they're under a fit, Aaron Rodgers. And it was a very impressive performance. If you were up against Devonta Freeman, not Devonta Freeman, Devonta Adams in fantasy, you lost pretty much unless you mm. played a bunch of bums next to him because that was what a day he had. And Rodgers just kind of showed, you know what, I don't, I don't need a bunch of wide receivers. I just need a couple. One star, a decent running back, give me the ball, I'll score points. Um, and the Vikings fought back. They showed character themselves. I think that Kirk Cousins didn't look completely horrible. Um, Dalvin Cook, obviously, with his new contract, they'll be pleased to have that settled. Uh, He's a big threat for them. I think that defensively, the Vikings were a massive disappointment. And I think there'd been a lot of chat about them being good this year. And if they're going to be good, they need to get a lot better and they need to get a lot better quickly because based on that, no, they're going to ship a lot of points to be honest. Um, but I th- that was a great game. I mean, it was really fascinating. Every single time. Ta- so obviously I watched Red Zone. Every single time it came on screen, it was a touchdown. Uh, you yeah. know, there was nothing else. It was just a touchdown. Every time. So um, really, really good. Uh, very impressive performance from Rodgers. And I think that the NFC North is shaping up to be potentially a really interesting division this year. You know, I'll give everybody a free hit on week one. So, you know, I expect Cleveland to bounce back. I expect Minnesota to start a little bit quicker. I expect San Francisco to do a lot better. So, you know, week one, it's not a trend. You know, you can have a good week, you can have a bad week, and things might go right, they might not. I'll start to get concerned after week two and week three if teams uh, don't come forward. The one from Green Bay, Alan Lazard, sounds like a Rick Mayo character. Um, it's just a wonderful name. And it, it just, you smile because, you know, it's at Marquez Valdez Scandlin as well was the other one. It's just like Aaron Rodgers has gone up and picked out a couple of guys out of bar and just said, look, you're going to play for me. And, you know, I'm impressed. The, the Russell Wilson one, now, I, I don't know, it'd be interesting because we've not spoken about this. See if you got the same take as me. I would love to go to Atlanta to see that stadium. It looks absolutely phenomenal. How shit did it look on television on Sunday? Yeah, it did. I don't know why. I genuinely don't know why. Um, I agree, it didn't look great. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it, 
let's be honest, it didn't look great if you're a Falcons fan full stop because it was a, a bit of a do in that one. Um, but the Seahawks were massively impressive, right? There's no yeah. getting away from this. Um, Russell Wilson is very, very capable. I think there's got to be some worries about the the Falcons' defense. I think that there's definitely some some issues there. But, you know, I mean, Russell Wilson, 31 for 35, 322 yards, four touchdowns. Rushing, obviously, he had uh, 29 yards on the ground himself on three carries. He actually led the team in rushing <laughs> with 29 yards. Um DK Metcalf had 95 yards and a touchdown. Tyler Lockett, 92. Chris Carson, 45 yards receiving two touchdowns. David Moore got 28 yards. Greg Olson got a touchdown, 24 yards. Freddie Swain, I've never heard of, but I have now. Um, just a one reception for him. Jacob Hollister had one. Will Disley had one. Travis Homer had one. You know, there's a bunch of players catching the ball there, which is very impressive. Um, very Kansas City-like, isn't it? Having yes. that... That, that sheer number. The other thing in that game, Cameron, was Atlanta were 0 for 4 on fourth down, including what a spectacular fumble the ball back to Seattle. So again, I'll give them a bit of a free pass. It's week one. I mean, on another day, if you can hit 50% of them and go 2 for 4, that can change. I mean, I don't think it would have changed the result, to be perfectly honest, but it might have changed a bit of the game and, and how they looked at it. So I, I don't think... There's, well, is there anybody at the moment, and we'll come on to Bob Banks and our awards and things, is there any team at the moment you looked at and you think, oh my God, they are done for the year oh, already? The, the Jets. The Jets are done. The, uh, stick a fork in them already. Uh, and that's ridiculous to be saying that so soon. Um, I'll be honest, there's not great positive signs coming out of Cleveland, but it, fine, it was against the Ravens. A lot went wrong but they didn't really show anything. Baker Mayfield did not give me any kind of sign that, ah, actually, do you know what? There's something there. Obviously, absolutely gutted to see that Jamie got hit hard and that ball coming out on the 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 fake punt. So gutted to see that. Uh, you know, Austin, his kicker has been released, which interestingly, I don't know if you've seen this, but he's been picked up by the Bengals. So he will go into his first game for his new team against his old team on Thursday night, which is fascinating. <laughs> Just goes to show they've not lost their sense of humour. No. I, th I think the, the, the thing for Jamie, and, and we watched it at the time, and we, we, we both exchanged a couple of messages, if he was on, because he, he came on to our week one event and we did a great interview with him, if he was on the Zoom call, he would tell us simply he needs to do better. He would put his hand up and say that that wasn't good enough from him. And it was, I, I, I just flashed back to the interview that we did with him and he said, you know, one thing can mar your whole day, which can then, you know, spoil everything. And that would spoil it for him. And I'm pretty certain from the limited interaction I've had with him, that will stay with him this week. And he'll actually probably want to do that, play another few times, get rattled another few times. You know, he's a rugby player. He, You know, he knows how to hold on in contact. And I think he'll be deeply disappointed by that. But again, we'll, we'll apply the week one free hit rule and see where it goes from there. Yeah, definitely the fact that it was Baltimore as well who are... You know, it's between for me. It's still between them and the Chiefs for the the AFC side of things. Um, I, I can't see it being anybody else. Um, you know, that was a tough place to go. They now go in against the Bengals, who have got a new quarterback who showed flashes. I thought Burrow looked good at points. There was that drive where he went all the way down and then just got it horribly wrong right at the end. Um, and then at the final drive as well, mm. got it down there, and of course Randy Bullock. Um, did a Mitchell is what I'm going to call that. He he went for the kick, missed it, and yeah. then blamed an injury. Hey, he wasn't injured. That was uh, well, uh, yeah. I have to I have to say, like me, he was clearly injured. There was no <laughs> doubt about that. I'm looking forward to our rematch of the kicking contest. As everybody saw, because now the video's out, we can talk about it. The punt where you sent those two gunners after me, I caught. But hey. You know, I know you don't agree with it, but it bounced and I caught it. There was no fumble, there was no spillage or anything like that. So I'm claiming, as, as I do, and nobody can argue with me, the moral high ground on that. Talking of the moral high ground, nobody expects to see the Jacksonville Jaguars there. What on earth did they do at the Colts? Ah, uh, that <laughs> that was unreal, to be perfectly honest. And again, they're so typical of the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's when you've completely written them off, that's when they tend to somehow get a victory in there. Um Gardner Minshew was very impressive. 
And mm. I thought that they, you know, again, the Colts started really well. And I thought that Philip Rivers looked like he was in a groove. Uh, the injury to Marlon Mack was unfortunate, but Hines was playing really well. It looked like Rivers was getting a good bit of time behind that offensive line, which was great. And I thought, you know what, actually, the Colts are going to thrive here. But it just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. And obviously, you know, 20, um, 17 points, sorry, in the first half, three in the second half. That says everything. Um, and then you look at Minshew. Minshew got, in fact, the Jags won um, three out of the four quarters, which is yeah. nuts as well. So Philip Rivers, 36 for 46, 363 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. So there's definitely an issue there. Hines on the ground, 28 yards, one touchdown. Um, Hines then through the air also had 45 yards and another touchdown. For all those yards, though, there was, um, you know, Jonathan Taylor got 67 through the air, 22 on the ground. Paris Campbell actually had uh, a decent game. T.Y. Hilton, very quiet. Jack Doyle, surprisingly, very quiet. Fine, 49 mm. yards off three receptions. But we've seen before that Philip Rivers loves linking up with his tight end. So perhaps this is a chemistry thing, and perhaps this is one that will grow over time. So maybe if we're giving passes, then the Colts get one early door. But that's a really bad loss to, to lose to Jacksonville. And fair play to those Jacksonville Jag fans who turned up. The only fans in any stadium, although the Lions-Bears game threw me off briefly because I was like, there's people in the stand. There's people in the stand. And, of course, there's no people in the stand. They're all animated. Um, but it took me actually checking that. I was like, eh, what's going on here? Um, but if you look at the Jags anyway, sorry. Garner Minshew, 19 for 20. 173 yards, three touchdowns. Not a huge amount through the air. Not a huge amount through on the ground either. They didn't rack up a lot of yards in the game. But they did what they needed to do. And it looked really impressive. Keelan Cole with a touchdown. LaVisca Chenault, a rookie with a touchdown, which was really impressive as well. So a lot to like there. Um, and I think that that gives the Jags a little boost coming into this. This is Gardner Minshew's team. Um and I think that he's deserved for it to be his team. And, and it's good to see him get the victory. Absolutely. So in terms of, I mean, we've covered a lot of the game. So we got a great reaction this week to our awards. We did. Lots of people getting involved in this, which is great. So I'm going to read through some of these now. And Paul, you can tell me where you agree or disagree with these as we go through it. So this is where we ask you for our weekly belter, Bowfin and Bobak Award. For those that aren't familiar with the terms, a belter is Scottish for uh, something great. This is basically our top performer of the week or, you know, unique performance or something a little bit special. Bowfin means awful, horrible. You know, if something's Bowfin, it's just ugh, disgusting. So this is for something really bad. This is almost the opposite of the belter, really bad. And then Bobak Award is someone who's generally been a bit of a Bobak. So, you know, jerk of the week would be the... Uh, non-Scottish version of it. But here we go. So, starting at the very top. Uh, Sean Black got in touch. His belter is Minshew for shredding the Colts. Baufin, Game Pass. Get it together, lads. Very disappointing to see. Once again, there are Game Pass issues. Um, a lot of people on Twitter uh, complaining about this. People have paid a lot of money for the NFL Game Pass. It's Every year there's problems. I, I can't understand why it's so bad, to be perfectly honest. So that's one that we definitely want them to get on top of. Uh, Bob Ag for Sean is Randy Bullock, but a hero for the Chargers fans. Uh, Ross Black, his belter, goes to the live event. Ah, oh, Ross, you go straight to the top of the pile. And Josh Jacobs for his three-touchdown game. Baufin goes to the Eagles. The O-line was a joke. Play calling dreadful. And Carson needs to learn to get rid of the ball. And Bobag is the official in the Lions game, ejecting the player for hee-haw, really. Pathetic. Now, I'm going to pause here because I think this is a talking point. Jamie Collins, of course, ejected for the game for lowering his helmet and making contact with the official. What were your thoughts on that one, Paul? Well, lowering your helmet is is not acceptable in many countries, apparently. But we, we did those gags on Sunday. <laughs> I I think the official has got to realise the difference between somebody making a gesture at him that puts him under threat that is meant to hit him, and somebody just trying to show you what happened. It'd be like you know just trying to point out something, and you know, and you actually I mean, we've seen it before. Somebody's pointing to somebody in the field, and the official walks into them. So I am all for 
and I love the, the rules in American football. The laws say, you know, if you do such and such, so if you do something to a referee, you are thrown. But this is where the common sense filter has to come on. He was not trying to headbutt the referee because I'll tell you what, he's got a great big helmet on. If he wanted to headbutt the referee, he would have done a hell of a better job. Now, the referee... I don't know whether it was just week one, it was nerves. I've actually not looked up to see how experienced the referee was, but he reminds me of somebody, you know, when you've done something, perhaps, you know, a sibling, and the person can't wait to run to your mum or your dad to tell on you. He could not find that flag quickly enough. And it was done in such a panic mode. I mean, it wasn't exactly done with a sort of look him in the eye. You go to the belt, you're not looking and you just toss it on the ground really coolly as if to say, you've touched me, mate, you're going out. It was the sheer and utter panic. Now, there were players around him that knew that nothing had gone on. And I think, to me, the referee should have actually stepped in, reviewed it and said, actually, yes, he did touch you, but there was no intent there and we're not throwing him out. I thought that was a horrible horrible call. Um, I had a little bit, I mean, Detroit didn't make too much of it in the papers afterwards. And I think, I think there was a storyline of the drop touchdown that probably took over, but Cameron, you, you can't have that. So funnily enough, I, uh, <laughs> I don't agree. I think he was stupid, right? I don't think he intended to hit the referee, but he's been stupid. He's lowered his helmet and made contact with the referee. Um, I think that it's just one of those things by the letter of the law. This is like um, the... I forget his name. Uh, Novak Djokovic uh, oh, yeah, situation yeah, yeah. with the US Open. The rules are the rules. Whether it's super hard or really light, uh, whether it's a grazing or whether it's a full smack in the face, the rule is if you make contact with an official and you instigate that contact, you will be ejected from the game. He has instigated that contact in trying to demonstrate to the official what's happened. In the end, what he's done is he's lowered his helmet and made contact with the referee. I don't think the referee was hurt. I don't think the referee... He flinched. He got a bit of a fright. I, I bet in the heat of the moment, he maybe thought, oh, what's going on here? Um, for me, Jamie Collins knows better. And I think this is the key thing. He knows better than to even do that. You know, remonstrate to the official... But when has that ever worked? When has that ever gone up? What's he trying to prove? If the referee was going to throw his flag, he would have thrown it. Him lowering his helmet to show what's happened to him isn't going to change his mind. This is uh, We see this in all sport. Remonstrating with the, the officials is just not going to do anything. I just think that, yeah, do you know what? It was soft. It wasn't. I'm not condemning him for his actions. It was stupidity, and he suffered for it. His team suffered for it. Um, I can understand the view that it's harsh, but I think by the letter of the law, Fanny, ball bag, off you trot. So I see it the other way around. I see him as being the ball bag for just even doing that in the first place. Just dumb. See, this is where, where I really smile because honestly, if and we've not scripted this because if we were to put out a poll to say which of us would defend <laughs> and which of us would prosecute, I'll tell you, people would have got it the other way around. <laughs> Absolutely no doubt about that. I think there are laws. I mean, they are. it's one of these things. If it's a rule, it's black and white. Yeah. If it's a law... It's interpretation, and people struggle with this because, you know, football has laws, our football, soccer has laws, rugby has laws. So it's all about interpretation of the game. And to me, I don't want to live in a society where it's rules like that, you know, and it's it's so black and white. You've got to have open to interpretation yeah. for me, and 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 that that that's just not that's not enough. But there there are rules, and therefore a rule is either broken or it's not there is no black or white which is lovely because there shouldn't be black and white according to everything so that's great we're all for that and we've got to take it forward but there's got to be an element of common sense and there was no common sense and the Novak Djokovic thing I know we don't normally you know we'll save this we'll save this for our random sports tennis podcast but that was an utter farce as well now you know you get people saying oh he flirted with this he's done that before he knocked the ball away in anger. He wasn't aiming it at anybody. And again, it's it's the old story. The rule is there, and it's the difference between if you're not going to interpret or not. So, yep. I, th I think we I think we've both got a good point as far as this is concerned. I, if I was if yeah. I was his coach, I would go exactly what you were saying is look, don't put yourself in the position 
to get sent off or to get dismissed, you know, to be, you know, whatever. And that's the biggest thing sports coaches will tell you. They will back their players. They understand the emotion of the moment. But don't you've got to learn and don't put yourself in danger. Yeah. yeah, I think you've nailed it there. I think that the public voice, you know, what you say to the press is, our player was stupid. He shouldn't have done that. He knows better. Behind the scenes, you're going, what a muppet. I can't believe that you got sent off for that. You know, that's ridiculous. Just, you know, come on. Don't be. Don't even give them the opportunity. That's exactly how you would phrase that one. Right, we'll move on because we've only got through two tweets and there's quite a few here. So Denny Forty got in touch. His belter was Clyde edwards Um although, although Saquon might beat him out tonight. This one obviously came before the <laughs> Giants one. Don't worry, Denny. Your choice is safe. Um, Baufin, the Eagles' second string O-line, and Bobag McCarthy from the Dallas. We say we're going to win the Super Bowl every year. Cowboys for his go-for-it call in the third quarter when a field goal tied the game. What a dafty. Uh, moving on, Patriots, football chat with Jake and Matt. They got in touch to say their belter was Cam Newton, the Baufin was the New York Jets, and the ball bag was the Dolphins defensive lineman Christian Wilkins for grabbing one of Cam Newton's chains off his neck at the end of the game. I'm going to pause here as well, because for me, I take that point as well. Fine, you know, that is a ball bag move if that's happened. The Dolphins players have denied it. For me, wearing a big, thick gold chain when you're on a football field is just dumb. Why do you need to wear a big, thick metal gold chain? And at one point, it was hanging outside of his uniform. I tell you what, if I'm tackling you and that's there, the chances are I'm going to grab that chain and you're going to come down by your neck. Um, especially with the type of quarterback that Cam Newton is. He's big and he's strong and he's running with the ball. If somebody grabs that on the way down, it's like grabbing dreadlocks and things like that it's, it's I believe it's allowed within the game um, it's not yes. a foul to do that why would you put something why would you put a metal chain around your neck that's grabbable in the first place fine he should be allowed to do it and not have anyone rip it off his neck I'm sure but these things it's just asking for trouble for me dumb on the part of Cam in a, in a sport where they get fussy about, you know, what kind of cleats you wear and, you know, you, the uniform police are there, you know, let's be sensible and ban all of that crap. Now, you're talking about Cam Newton. So, again, there's only two Cam Newtons. On the field, I don't think you could argue much of, of what he did. Uh, I think it's worth noting the new Patriots uniforms are horrible. I don't like the, the stripe. I think that looks very cheap. But he came in, he did his job, and you know, scored a couple of rushing touchdowns, et cetera, et cetera. However, sheer ball baggery, um, and there's no doubt, and this is this is my ball bag award to Cam Newton for dressing like he was going to his high school prom without a date. And let's be honest, in a bright yellow suit and a hat like that, I'm like, you know what, I'm all you've got image, I get that, but you had a chance to actually reset in New England, you know, a little bit of sober. The guy could go to the, you know, one of you know, brilliant tailors in North America, wherever, just get a nice looking suit if you want <laughs> to look sharp. But to me, it just says ball bag. You know, it it doesn't say I'm there for business. It doesn't say, you know, I'm there, you know, under Coach Belichick. It says that my image is more important than my team. And I think he missed a m massive chance uh, to to get himself on the right track on the field, brilliant. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't class him as the belter of the week, but he was certainly up there off the field. I mean, the yellow suit came on, and you know there are moments where you really regret having a high definition large television, and that was one of them. <laughs> I'm going to dis disagree with you again on this. I like the orange, uh, the orange suit, the yellow suit. I thought See, the suit was you're fine. You're doing that because we're colorblind. You're taking the best. <laughs> I like. I thought the suit was fine. I didn't like the hat, and I thought the shoes were terrible. But I actually thought the suit was popping. I thought there's much worse stuff worn by some of the folk in the NFL than that. Um, I, you know, I would rather see Cam Newton in that suit every week than have to see Ezekiel Elliott's midriff every time he scores a touchdown. That can go away. Um, <laughs> but. I, it's, I, I genuinely quite liked the suit. I thought it was fine. I thought, he, you know, it's much better than the super grand look that he was rocking, um, whether that be, I can't even remember last season, season before. Um, I didn't have an issue with the suit. I thought it was fine. I think that it's, the danger was something like that in your first game, I guess. And this is, Cam's a confidence player, but if you come into that, you wear that suit and then you stink, then, you know, what people, people are going to take little shots. Um, didn't have an issue with the suit. 
the hat was terrible and the shoes were just yeah just rotten but i i definitely disagree with wearing big thick gold chains i think that's asking for trouble to be perfectly honest very so stupid. so let's let's be fair to cam newton if he goes 16 and all this season uh our next live event i will wear a bright yellow suit ah excellent <laughs> oh yes right oh i've never rooted for the patriots but i might have to now um <laughs> Interesting to th- note, though, that Newton, two rushing touchdowns, tied most by a quarterback in New England. So, you know, day one of his new team, and he's equaled the record. But, eh, yeah, there you go. Right, moving on. Uh, David Old, his belter is also the Jags beating the Colts. Baufin is how I felt when I bet for the Colts to beat the Jags, and the opposite happened. And Bobag, what my wife called me when she found out that I'd done this. <laughs> Very good, David. Uh, Stephen Lynn got in touch. His belter was Russell Wilson that we touched on. Absolutely brilliant performance from one of the best in the game. Baufin, the Eagles again. Bobag, Matt Rule for not giving it to McCaffrey on fourth and one. Yeah, definitely a unique call, that one. Uh, Paulie, our Bucks fan, got in touch. Uh, happy season all, and thanks to Cam and Paul for putting on a week one event this year. You're welcome, Paulie. Thank you for coming along and supporting us ever. Uh, belter for him. Every single person tested by the NFL ahead of week one passed their COVID test. As fans, we can't ask for more than that. I think that's a great point from Polly. Uh, Baufin, it was a bad week for kickers. Gotskowski had an absolute stinker last night. Uh, and ball back for him, Jamie Collins, for managing to find a way to socially distance himself from the rest of his team for an entire afternoon. <laughs> uh, fun, And then I talked about this earlier. Fun fact, Tom Brady's on pace to throw 32 interceptions this season. <laughs> uh, right, Maben X, he got in touch to say, Belter, Russell Wilson, Man, that Seahawks all looks scary good. It does. Uh, caveat, it was against the Falcons D, who regularly ship points. I think the Falcons defense is among the worst in the NFL, to be honest, but still. Uh, Baufin, Adam Gase, at what point will NFL executives see what he is? Uh, pish, basically. Uh, and then Bobak, Jamie Collins, talking to the ref, demonstrating it on the ref is a one-way ticket to ejection. Uh Lorne Callahan, he is bel- his belter, Aaron Rodgers, 364 yards and four touchdowns. Not bad for a guy who didn't get any wide receiver help in the draft. Baufin was the Eagles losing to the Washington football team. And ball bag for him was kickers. Randy Bullock's chip shot winner missed. And Gotskowski's two missed field goals, one block field goal, and one missed extra point. Um, special overacting award goes to the $105 million cornerback Jalen Ramsey for overselling the offensive pass interference, killing a potential game-turning drive for the Cowboys. Now, I'm going to stop here as well because I thought this was interesting as well because it was communicated as a wise and clever move from a veteran cornerback and it absolutely did look like he sold pass interference. Um, They were talking about the fact that he leaned back as there was an arm on him, making it look like there'd been interference taking place. Interesting to hear it called a wise move. For me, that's cheating. That's selling. That's That's the NFL equivalent of taking a dive, surely. It depends on whether you believe in the morality of sport. Mm. And, and to me, it, it's an utter facet. I mean, I've had many conversations with, with players and managers over the years. Their job is to win. How they do that is entirely up to them. Now, the, the classic example I'll give you, you know, I, I once did a game of Craig Patterson and Steve Cowan. You know, Craig a defender, Steve Cowan an attacker. You know, Steve says, if you dangle a leg at him in the box, he'll go down. And it's up to the referee to decide whether it's penalty or not. And Craig Patterson tells you that you should be a man, play the game, stand on your feet. You know, so it's just it's just a different way of looking at things from a different perspective. Now, pass interference is, is an unchallengeable call. Um, and when you are, you know, most naughty things could get picked up, but this can't because it's unchallengeable. And therefore, you know, you're taking the chance. You you are trying to sell the call. He sold it, the referee bought it. Move on. Uh, would Dallas have done the same? Hang on. I'm going to full quote that. <laughs> no, no. Hang on. Hang on. I know where you're going with this. <laughs> you know, and that's the way it goes. Now, that's different to, to the one of the seats because that, that the guy arrived late and wiped him out. I don't think he was trying to sell the call. I think he was trying to sell the call here. Now, players do that all the time. And these officials are usually pretty good at spotting it. But, I mean, if you're a Dallas fan, you're absolutely gutted by the call. I think it was a terrible call. And, again, 
it makes you wonder why they're singling out uh, this call as you know, being something that can't be reviewed. I think there is not a single call in the whole game that cannot be reviewed by challenge. Yeah. Now, if you want to keep your challenge flag, if you want to throw that challenge flag and say, actually, that guy, that's wrong. I'm, I'm all for that in any way, shape or form. It strikes me as unbelievable. We are still talking about pass interference. I know it could be reviewed last year, but I'm not talking about it being reviewed. I'm talking about being challengeable as a one-off. You get to see it in the booth. Bang, you challenge it. To me, it's far too important. Pass interference is one of these things that tends to turn a game. And we've, we saw, you've seen it so often. And I think this is done by the NFL camera that you cannot, you know, d- would you have overturned that call? Uh, so I think, uh, see, if you look back and reflect on it, I think that if if you really reviewed it and it was called on the field, you would possibly still stand with how it was called. But I think that, which makes that a harder one for me to to then say, oh, it was cheating. Um I do think he sold it, though. I do think he absolutely sold it, and he threw himself back. Uh, and then he's—I mean, I don't like Jalen Ramsey. I've said this before. I don't like that in-your-face attitude. I hate the fact he's standing there, loudest and proudest, mouthing off. You know, I don't think he played particularly brilliantly overall, and I think that Dak wasn't afraid to target him. So, you know, I think pipe down, Jalen. Fine, you got the win, but um, anyway, that's—I've said my piece on that before. Um, I—I don't know in the scenario that there was enough there to overturn it. But I wouldn't have called it in the first place, and I think that's where that gets really complicated. Um, yeah. But, yeah, but but do you agree? I mean, there's nothing should be unchallengeable. Yeah, I think that you're right. You've got a certain number of challenge flags. If you want to waste it on some stupid no call, then hey, it's your flag to waste. Um, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't. Um, you know, there's certain ones like that that need to be really clear that you'd overturn it. And yeah, I I would extend it and make anything challengeable certainly. Right, back to the uh, nominations then. So Donald McLeod, his belter, the Raiders opening weekend win, which was impressive. Baufin, Brady in his three consecutive games with a pick six. I didn't even pick up on that, of course. Mm, there you go. Bobag, Brady, just because. <laughs> I can get on board with that. Um, Jabs, 1888. I wonder who he supports. Um, his Baufin was Jimmy G. Uh, yeah. I think there was worse performances, but it was... Massively disappointing. I think just massively disappointing. George Jackson, his belter was Russell Wilson. Baufin was the Eagles getting beat by a team with no name. Sounds like a bad U2 parody. And Bob Ag were the fans at KC or anyone else that booed for any stand for unity with the players. Can he also just take the time to welcome Tommy Tupix to the NFC South? Tommy Tupix is a nickname I can sign up to. That's for sure. Alan Mitchell, he's surely the most Baufin award goes to Carson Vents for completely throwing a game away with poor decisions, getting sacked eight times and throwing two interceptions. Really not a particularly good stat line for Carson there. Derek, he got in touch to say his belter, Mitch Trubisky for his fourth quarter show against the Lions. Baufin, Odell Beckham for his poop allegations. I guess we know OBJ stands for one big jobby. And Bobag is Carson Vents, so he had a lack of protection, but sacked eight times, seventeen up, seventeen nil up, and lost to Washington. Um, yeah. So I have a, I have a theory. Would, would you like my theory? Go for it. Now you, you've seen the movie uh, Heaven Can Wait. Uh, Warren Beatty is the quarterback who gets killed, but then comes back. Have you seen that movie? Yes. So basically, I don't know who got run over on Sunday near Detroit after three quarters, but obviously restless, this quarterback decided to inhibit the body of Mitchell Trubisky for the fourth quarter. And for some reason, either that, now that might sound outlandish. Now, I don't know whether you, you know, because we've been looking at various things medically, trying to find a vaccine. I don't know whether somebody's managed to transpose Mitch Trubisky and Carson Wentz. Um, for the fourth quarter of the games. I don't But something happened. Mitch Trubisky, you know, he, he either had a Weetabix at the sideline, uh, you know, a can of Carabao, whatever. But nobody saw that coming. Absolutely nobody. And therefore, you've got to give him credit. He played crap for three quarters. When the game was on the line, he dug deep and showed the Mitch Trubisky that the, the Bears drafted. So, you know, I'll take the Mickey and be funny, but... He's got the chance now to go into next week and build on that. And if he does, that could be 
the career-defining quarter for Mitch Trubisky. Yep. One of my best mates is a Bears fan, and I sent him a message at the end of the first quarter saying, so when exactly does Mitch get pulled from this game? And then I sent him another message at the end of the game that just said, dot, 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 never. He's going to play forever. Um, They're going to be stuck with him. That's just the way that's going to go. It was quite the performance. You know, fair, fair play to Mitch. I was absolutely down on him, but he proved me wrong, and I don't think I'm the only one that got proved wrong. Right, a couple more just to wrap this up then. So Kenny Blair got in touch. Bob Ag would be the Detroit Lions' Jamie Collins for getting himself ejected with a hit uh, by headbutting a referee demonstrating what he did on the previous play. Yep. Mark Ingram, he his belter was Gardner Minshew, his Bowfin was the Browns, and his Bob Ag was Baker Mayfield. And then John got in touch. His belter was Eric Kendricks, Bowfin was the rest of the Vikings team, and Bob Ag was Zimmer. He's like the Derek McInnes of the NFL. No plan B, and the plan A was found out years ago. So John clearly an Aberdeen fan, uh, as am I. I will take slight exception to this and point out that Aberdeen have won all their games since losing to Rangers on the first game of the season. And other than fourth last season, because we didn't get to play a full season, McInnes hasn't had us lower than third. But hey-ho, you know what? That's... I know that McInnes is... Some people love him, some people hate him. Listen, I'm no massive. I don't think he's any great thing, but we're delving into the wrong thing. But fine. I get your point, John. I get your point. Right, a couple of people on Facebook got in touch as well. James Whitson, Belter, Aaron Rodgers making his point to the front office. Baufin, DeAndre Swift that you talked about, dropping the simple catch at the end of the zone that cost the Lions the win. Now, there would have been a question there about whether or not... Um, Trubisky would have started the next game if they'd ended up losing that. But Swift, we talked about this via message, tried to turn. If he just walked backwards into the end zone, he would have scored and won the game. Well, I mean, Scott Scott Cooper got in touch with us, you know, to say, just, just catch the damn ball. Yeah. You know, that's what you're there to do. Catch the damn ball. He falls backwards. He's got a touchdown. That, to me, you know, it's interesting, Cameron, because I, I looked this up and it's brilliant. This is from the Detroit Free Press. And here's the headline. Here's what the Detroit Lions told DeAndre Swift after he dropped the winning touchdown. So this is Carlos Monaneres. Minutes after rookie running back DeAndre Swift dropped the winning touchdown in the closing seconds of the loss, coach Matt Patricia knew what he had to do. I put my arm around him as soon as we got in the tunnel, walked up the tunnel with him and told him, you know, he's a great player. The game's not on him, it's on me. It's the entire bad execution and bad plays we had towards the end of the game. We all had opportunities. bollocks (laughs) i'm sorry but he blew it that you know i'm sorry you you go and you say we'll talk about this don't feel bad but we'll talk about this and i know managers come out and say one thing in public but that is the kind of thing that can get you sacked matt patricia didn't need that and i think that's matt patricia being exceptionally nice i don't think he is a great player he's not proved that yet He might be a great person. That's something completely different. And I'm not knocking him as a person. But that is the kind of catch with absolutely nobody near you at the NFL level. You simply have got to make. That's game on the line stuff. And if you think that he's of the character that you need to put your arm around him, fair enough. But there's not a single person in that locker room that realised that, you know, when it came to the crunch, everybody made mistakes. But when it came to the crunch... That had to be caught. Now, I wouldn't put him in as my ball bag of the week or, you know, Baufin of the week or anything like that, because I think that'd be unkind. I'm just saying that in the normal course of things, you've got to catch that ball and get in the end zone. That's what you're paid for. Now, somebody said, well, he's a running back. Yeah, but he's a catching running back. People do that. So, yeah, I, I felt I felt that was really bad. Yeah. Um, last couple here then, Gillian McEl, Belter, Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson both had cracking games, Bouff and the Browns need I see more and Bobag could give it to Jimmy Collins but nah, gotta go with TB12, welcome to the NFC South, who dat? Um, Barry Taylor he says, Belter, Matt Ryan he threw to Marzen back but somehow still managed to lose that game, Bouff and Le'Veon Bell, the Jets, my team are bad enough right now uh, the, RP, the running back position is in the hands of a 38-year-old Frank Gore. And Bob Ag, the regret on Brady's face, 
He has been winding Bill up all week about how fun it is in Tampa. Not so much fun when your D can't hold out the breeze train. Um, And then Fernando Fernandez got in touch. Uh, Last one here. Belter, the Jacksonville Jaguars for showing everybody they're not here to tank for Trevor. Baufin is the Detroit Lions defense following their own tradition of bombing a game that they had in the pocket. And Bobak, the Jets, for being not just bad, but boring. Um, So there you go. Right. Your nominations, Paul, who gets your three? And then I'll give you mine. Just before my nomination, I will make a prediction that Greg Williams will be in charge of the Jets before week seven. Okay, Ooh. I think I think there is going to be a change there. I told you before, they should have kept him in the Browns for a year and the Browns went backwards. He might not be everybody's cup of tea, but I think he'd get results. So I am going um, for my belter for Aaron Rodgers, who edges out Russell Wilson simply because I think it was a it was a big divisional game. And I think that means a lot more. Uh, I've told you my ball back, Cam Newton in that yellow suit. That just is completely unacceptable uh, for me. Baufin, I'm really amazed that Jimmy Collins got so many nominations for various things. And this one, I think it only got one. It has to be Matt Rule. You've got fourth and inches. You've got the best running back in the whole damn league. And you outsmart yourself by not giving him the ball. That is... Bowfin of the highest order. That is dumb. That is, it's up there with the Patriots trying to throw instead of just running the damn ball in the end zone. That that's stupid, Cameron. And if if I'm a fan, I'd, I'd just be going nuts at that. That it, it's incomprehensible. People cannot stop McCaffrey. I mean, they've proved that. So when the game's on the line, your best player steps up to the mark, not some no-name fullback or halfback. Yes. Indeed. Right, my three, Belter, Washington football team. For me, just there's no way I ever saw that coming, especially given the fact that the Eagles were 17-0 up. Genuinely never saw that coming. Could have seen an argument for any other one of the shocks. You know, okay, fine, possibly. I, If you'd told me that Washington were going to beat the Eagles, I would just laugh at you and said, what are you talking about? Um, I mean, I would have assumed that Vince won down injured and I don't know, that even the backup got injured and they started having to play a wide receiver at running back or something like that. Um, shambles. Bowfin for me, though, Though the Eagles are in contention, uh, the Jets get it because they just stank. Uh, they got a bunch of junk time points, and fine, Jamison Crowder ended up having a day, but pff, it really disappointing. I think Sam Darnold uh, is, yeah, on a sugly peg as well. I made a burger bet with uh, Gordon that Joe Flacco would not start a game for the Jets this season. I, it's week one, and I'm already worried. I'll be honest, that may have been a bad call on my part. I think my Tom Brady not having a winning season bet's got more chance now than uh, Flacco not starting. Bobag for me. Oh, I this is a hard one. I don't like giving Bobag awards after week one. Um, I really don't. But if I absolutely have to give it to someone, I think that yeah, it's got to go to Matt Rule because that was a total blown call. That was just a, a stupid, stupid error and in his part and overthinking it overthinking it inexperienced uh coach just overthinking it but i just yeah it's it's a funny one and they they blew that game i really thought the panthers would win that ultimately you know the panthers go on to now face the buccaneers in week two and that's a tough game that they're going to face there um especially the way that the defense dealt with kamara i think the defense if they can figure out how to deal with McCaffrey it's going to put a lot of pressure on Teddy's shoulders and I thought Teddy looked good at points I thought Anderson looked good Robbie Anderson looked decent uh, mm-hmm. a good threat there signs of positivity out of the Panthers and I guess actually ball bag award I might have to give this one to myself because I think I was unfair to the Las Vegas Raiders I said that they were bereft of talent and I think that actually they showed against the Panthers more than enough to show they're not bereft of talent. I still don't think they've got enough to have any kind of a, a run on the division. Well, they don't have any run on the division because the Chiefs are there. I still don't think they finish second. But, um, yeah, I think Bob Ag, maybe I'm a contender for getting that one very wrong. I'm, a, I'm not going to condemn you. We're all, we're all allowed week one. Week <laughs> right. Well, well, yeah. So yeah. Well, I say with the exception, I think I mean Mike McCarthy's you know option to go not take the field goal 
um, you know, from a much more experienced coach, you could argue, uh, comes into the ball bag category as well. But I think when all said and done, you know, you're offering a take on the Raiders and things, you know, 99% of people would have given the ball to the best running back in the league. He didn't. Yeah. And whether he was trying to be too clever or not, I'm not a fan of that. I think if you give the ball to Christian McCaffrey and he doesn't make it, that's not coming back on you. Yeah, yes, indeed. Um, right, on to week two then, and we've been at this for almost an hour. So what are your big games going into week two, Paul, that are the ones, that, you know, I like to talk about the stories that are developing. What are the stories developing that you're fascinated to see play out? Well, I mean, I think you've, you've got to go with follow-up stories. So I think you've got to follow up the Cleveland Browns. Can they bounce back after a bad week one against a, a Cincinnati team that looked like Joe Burrow was their quarterback? It looked like he was leading them. There was leadership and they believed in them. So I think there's a story there. I think there's a story also coming in Green Bay because this is the kind of game that they should go on and win. Now, currently, I mean, I'm looking at I think they're favoured in the pick by about 95 to 5%. If they're serious, because they've been tripped up at home in the last few seasons, they've got to go out and absolutely handle Detroit. Um, Storylines, Philip Rivers got bashed for the way he played in the fourth quarter. Big game now, you know, facing the Minnesota Vikings. Now, nobody wants to go 0-2. Can they take that and go on the road, or will they get smashed in Arizona? Now, going from East Coast to West, traditionally, teams don't do particularly well. So I think that's fascinating as well. So there's there's some of the storylines that's coming out for me. But I think the game uh, that I would watch because I'd want to see how it works is the Monday uh, Sunday night football. New England Patriots traveling to Seattle Seahawks. That is set up beautifully. Russell Wilson was dominant, was amazing. Now he's going to welcome in Cam Newton. Now Cam. Basically, you would imagine it was a free hit against Miami to a certain extent. Miami are still building. They've got problems. I want to see that match up, Cameron. I think that's the game of the week. Yep, I, I agree. And I don't want to see either team win that. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Phil, who runs our events for us, was over, obviously, here under the two-person rule. Uh, stayed with me to watch some of the games when we picked up that this was the game next week. He was like, you're just going to shout at the TV for three hours, aren't you? I was like, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'll look forward to that one. I think that... The, the Jacks-Titans, for me, is now very randomly interesting to see how that one develops. Are the Jags actually legitimate? I thought that the Titans struggled with the, the Broncos, who, without Von Miller, still seem to put up a, a decent display on defense. Uh, Rams-Eagles, you know, how do the Eagles bounce back from that? Obviously, the Rams go into that on the back of their win, so an impressive start for them. The, the Bills-Dolphins, for me, is interesting to see if the Bills are genuinely legitimate. You know, they, they they started really well against the Jets, but went really quiet in that second half. So can they show that they actually, you know, that they just eased off there? Um, obviously, the Dolphins have got a long way to go, a lot of development to do there. And I still think the Dolphins kind of suck a little bit. So we'll see what happens there. Vikings-Colts, fascinating. Both of them with one in the loss column. Does Philip Rivers bounce back? How does he grab this team by the scruff of the neck against what will be a very difficult Vikings team to face? Lions-Packers, interesting, because it's another divisional one. Uh, Falcons-Cowboys is interesting, I guess, as well, just purely because do the Falcons bounce back um, on offense? Can they do damage? And you know how powerful can the Cowboys be against that terrible defense? Then, yeah, Washington-Arizona, I think will be very... I want that to be interesting, but I genuinely think the Cardinals will destroy them. I'm more interested in the Giants-Bears um, because the Giants obviously had a disappointing game. The Bears managed to sneak a win, but can Trubisky do that again? Uh, can the Bears stop Barkley? I thought the Bears' defense wasn't up to much at all either. But you're right, the the game of the week is that Patriots-Seahawks. Let's see how Cam and Russell do head-to-head. Let's see if Cam is actually good enough to lead this Patriots team against a, a really good team that are going to score a bunch of points, which is something you didn't really have to good do against Miami. We know that Miami have had the number of the Patriots an odd number of times. Um, but I always think as well, this game's got a little edge to it because of the Super Bowl, because of that, um, that Super Bowl last play. This is always a little bit edgy. So, yeah, it's defi- it is definitely game of the week. So a really good pickup um, for the Sunday night game there. 
Yeah, and of course, no fans in Seattle. So it's going to take away the, the 12th man thing altogether. And that, I think, is going to add a very interesting angle to it. I, I know we're slightly over time, but let's have a quick word about Game Pass because Twitter and social media was full of problems with Game Pass. Now, it's my first year uh, having Game Pass and I didn't go near it on Sunday because Sky Sports served the need. Um, what's fascinating, I mean, as you know, I've got the MLB package. 162 games normally a season um, for every team. And I rarely have had any problem with it whatsoever. Now, bizarrely, today I got an email from MLB asking me, you know, to comment on the package. And they did something very bizarre. They showed you various packages and you had to choose one or the other within the survey. Now, within some of them, both were shit and I wouldn't have subscribed to either of them. But you had to pick... And my worry is that they're going to be trying to outsource this to the same idiots that run Game Pass, uh, which is highly unacceptable. Game Pass, at the bottom line is you should be streaming, what, maximum nine, ten games at a time, if that. And you can't get that right in this day and age, knowing that week one, year after year, we see the complaints. This is not acceptable. You know, businesses cannot run like this. And I know people are very quick, Cameron, to jump onto social media and complain and criticise my biggest complaint with MLB is they keep showing these bloody clips during half innings, which are the same ones and usually against the team that you root for. And it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And I've managed to mention that in the survey. But how can you not stream properly games in this day and age for what is such a popular platform, knowing that perhaps more people were going to use it than ever before? That's unacceptable. And, you know, the NFL keep banging on about so many things. Um They've got to concentrate on the core of their business as well, Cameron, because this is the kind of thing that hacks you know, fans off and puts people off. I think it's the fact as well that it's every year. You know, if it was one year, if like for three years in a row it's been really good, but this one year, ah, oh, they've really dropped the ball here. You'd be annoyed, but you'd be like, right, come on, guys, get your act together. It's every year. Every single year there's problems. Um, and, you know, there was one year they ended up giving a discount to everybody because it was that bad. And right away, Twitter is flooded with it once again with people having issues. Some people, fine, but that was what happened before as well. And I think the thing for me as well is this season, uh, it's not like it's snuck up. It's not come early. It's not like baseball season, which has moved and been different to what was anticipated. This is exactly as we thought it was going to be, other than there's no people in the stadiums. Um, it's it's really disappointing. The level of testing that they're doing or whatever it is they're doing as they pull this stuff together just clearly isn't up to scratch. Or either that or the, the stuff they've got behind the scenes isn't able to deal with the demand. Either way, they should know that this is exactly what's going to happen. So, yeah, overall, very disappointing, and hopefully they get their act together in time for week two. Paul, before we wrap up, there's one thing that we need to do. We didn't do it in the last podcast. That's my fault because I forgot to do it. We need to make our far too early Super Bowl predictions, and we've got the benefit now of Week One behind us. So we've got a we've got an unfair advantage. But you know what? It's our podcast. So bugger off if you've got an issue with it, anyone. That's all I'm saying. Um, who have you got as your AFC contender? Who's your NFC contender? And who's winning the whole thing? Okay, I, I'm going to discount myself from the Saints because I'm obviously biased, and I, and I genuinely think they've got a chance. I'm going to try and be slightly more objective. Uh, Kansas City, I can't see past in the AFC. They look the powerhouse, but as we've seen for already from you know the various upsets this week, anything can happen. Baltimore are looking strong, but I'm going to go with KC, uh, and I'm, I'm going to go with a massive overreaction to the way that Aaron Rodgers played and pick Green Bay. As I saw, somebody, somebody wrote this, camera. I think it's one of the best lines of the week. Aaron Rodgers will win the MVP this year out of spite. <laughs> and you know so I, I'm, I'm going to take that I've got I've got three now I've got Green Bay Seattle and New Orleans I'm going to pick Green Bay just as I say because that that's my favourite line of the weekend yeah uh, what's the spite football team called and where's spite what state's that in um, <laughs> for oh, who have you got winning the whole thing uh, I'll take Casey Casey right okay uh, so for me I have got the Saints I genuinely think this is the, the the year that they go all the way to the Super Bowl. I think that Drew Brees is just young enough to still do it. Brady's too old. Um, I think that there's so much talent there. I thought the way they played on defense was big and strong and obnoxious, uh, but not in that nasty way, just really just in your face and hard-hitting without being dicks about it. Um, 
I was very impressed with them. I thought they dealt with the, the Bucks really well, and I think that they'll only get better. I think we've talked about consistency so much over the summer, and I think the consistency that they've got with their team is going to be a massive contributing factor there. So I see them being the NFC contender. I actually see the Ravens being the AFC contender. I think there's so much to like there, and I thought Lamar Jackson looked brilliant. Fine, it's against the Browns. The Browns clearly not in a great state at the moment, but Jackson did everything he needed to do and a little bit more. Plus, I think the defense in Baltimore is better than the defense in Kansas City by a considerable considerable margin. Um, I think that it's down to Lamar, and as long as Lamar can maintain his levels of performance throwing the ball, they will be a threat. I think J.K. Dobbins looked as though he's going to be a contributing factor in the run game as well. Mark Ingram is still very capable. There's a lot to like in Baltimore. I have the Saints winning the whole thing. I have Lamar possibly just not performing to his standards on the big stage if it came to it. And I see New Orleans winning this and Breeze picking up his second ring. I think that this is their chance they they've got the they've definitely got the the depth on the roster to be doing it. I'm not doing that just to noise you up and put pressure on it. Genuinely, <laughs> I think that they are in a really good place. They're a brilliant team to watch. There's so many options there. Um, I just hope we see Jameis Winston appear in that Super Bowl and at least throw something because that would just oh, that would oh my I, days honestly. I, I, th- I no, I think you're right. I think he will. He'll throw that clipboard in the air <laughs> in sheer jubilation as Taysom Hill hits his fourth touchdown of the game. Brilliant. Honestly, can't wait for it to happen. Right. Anyway, that's a full time whistle then for episode 115. Share your thoughts on this episode via Twitter on at Scotland NFL and on Facebook by searching for NFL Scotland. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Keep those award nominations coming. We love them. Look out for some of our week one event video content coming out this week. We'll be back next week to pick apart all the pieces from week two. But until then, bye for now.